the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is every Christian a missionary? And then should the civil rights movement be considered a revival? You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Friday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Aubrey, we made it to Friday. We are, did it. Uh, people will think it's one day closer to spring. People will think it's one day closer to sunshine. People think it's one day closer to spring break. But what they just need to know, it's one day closer to your birthday. That's all Brian, this month is about right I now. I am so just in awe of you that you said that. Because normally you're not a fan of celebrating my birthday all month long. At all. <laughs> yes, as we've learned, March is birthday month for Aubrey. So are you preparing, preparing for that? Um, always preparing for my birthday month. Trying to make plans. Trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I think I'm actually going to take myself on a little trip. <laughs> Please do tell. A birthday Day trip. Uh, to don't, this isn't funny. This is nice to see some friends from grad school. Wonderful. Can I make you feel really bad? Nope. I'm about to. I'm about to pull something, and you're gonna feel real bad. I won't. But go ahead. You are. I won't. But go ahead, Ryan. This is my first birthday without my best friend. That is sad. Okay. Okay. Yes. I mean, it's not like I said anything otherwise. <laughs> so, so I recognize I'm going to be sad. So I'm taking myself on a trip to see some friends from grad school. That is nice. Yeah. I will cheer you on. I will Thank point you. out that I knew you for your last birthday, and it was equally as ballyhooed, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little more subdued this year, but I definitely like to celebrate my, okay. my B-Day. Well, congratulations. Mama's B-Day. 49 years old. Hey! We're happy for you. Slow down there, partner. <laughs> Slow down. All right. We've talked a lot of Gospel Coalition this week, so I... I, I I go slowly into this. I, I want to talk about a question that was raised in an article, I, a completely innocuous article I by the Gospel to, Coalition. I have to laugh because people don't know this, but Brian and I will plan out the show and some things we want to talk about You know, before we come on the air, obviously. And Brian had a few Gospel Coalition things in here, and I was like, are you sure? <laughs> like, are you? Is you this canceled the Gospel Coalition. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. The Gospel Coalition canceled me. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. If anyone wonders what we're talking about, go back and get Monday's yeah. show on the podcast. But I did think they asked an interesting question. They asked this. Elliot Clark, back on March 4th, wrote an article entitled this, Is Every Christian a Missionary? Mm. So they're going to go in and kind of parse the word missionary. I'll give, I'll give you a little bit of a picture forward. They're going to parse the word missionary okay. and talk about okay. a missionary, in their opinion, is actually a sent one, not on their own, but kind of under the auspices of a church. Sure, gotcha. kind of this. But I think there's a bigger question here that I want to have with you when we ask, is everyone a missionary? Like when you read the, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul, I believe, says to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Mm-hmm. Are there specific missionaries or would you preach a sermon that says we're all missionaries? So it's funny you ask that because I think I would say both. I would. I think go, that's what they're getting at. In I this think article. I would go. We're all missionaries. We're all sent. Our God is a missionary God Himself, etc. But I always want to say, however, 
there are people because what happens is missionaries who actually like leave their lives mm-hmm. and sacrifice comfort and go live in a third world country That's or right. like Afghanistan and like their lives are being threatened for the gospel. I don't want to act like me and you showing up at the radio show <laughs> is the same. Do you know what I mean? So Some I was, days. I <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to be very careful to be like, yes, the concept that we're sent, 100, 100, 100%, mm-hmm. let's not dishonor like actual missionaries who have like like Abraham taken everything and gone for the gospel, yeah. you know, left their home, left their family. Like, let's sort of honor that in a different category. As a good Wheaton student, how did you not go Jim Elliott there? Oh, <clears throat> did you not I feel convicted by that. The, Thank you, Ryan. Uh, somebody right. somebody right. put this off the subject, but if you go to Wheaton, you know the story of Jim Elliott and the other Nate, Nate Saint Nate and Saint? all the other ones yeah. who were killed. Uh, somebody said to me, have you ever heard the story of Jim Elliott? I was like, yeah, Wheaton class of '99 uh, here. Yeah, I know the story. I studied in that Jim dorm. Elliot's I studied face in that is tattooed on my back. Elizabeth Elliot almost stopped my future wife from dating me. Yes, yes. Uh, but here's the idea: you brought up the phrase, and they do in this article as well. Sent ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we and and they want to differentiate the word missionary like you did there, but the idea that we're all sent, what yeah. does that even mean? Why mm. is that also hard for us to really kind of grasp? Yeah, I, I think one thing it means is wherever God has planted you. So you can be a stay-at-home mom. You can be an investment maker, a veterinarian. I'll just keep naming things. Do you have any idea what an investment banker does? Not (laughs) Not a clue. Not a clue. It's like people who are like, I work with stocks and bonds. I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. mm -hmm, I know all those things. Uh, You drive a bus. I mean, like, name it. Mm -hmm. Any, Any career or calling you have inside the home, outside of the home, you're there on mission for the kingdom of God, meaning God wants you to love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. sometimes we make it more weird than we need to. Like, whoever is your neighbor at work, at home, you are called to love towards Jesus mm-hmm. with the love of Jesus. And I think sometimes we can go about our day and go about our work and go about our business without having that sort of like calling in our mind right. and miss out on why God has placed us where we are. Yeah. So how do we do that? <clears throat> how do we do that? Well, is it yeah. simply go about your life, but think of it in terms of like, does God open doors for me to show the love of mm-hmm. Christ and speak the love of Christ? Is it, I'm going to start a Bible study in mm-hmm. my neighborhood and invite all of my neighbors. Mm-hmm. What does this look like to be a, we at our church have often used the phrase, we're everyday missionaries everywhere. You know, you're an everyday missionary where you work, live and play, right? Mm-hmm. That's like that's good. Yeah. just kind of a way of saying it, but how do you live this out? Like people are probably yeah. listening going, man, that sounds exhausting to be like, <laughs> I'm a missionary in my neighborhood yeah. or in my school. Yeah. It's enough to try to do the plumbing work that I'm a plumber or right, a teacher. Right. So what does this look like for you? So I, it's funny. We, uh, our renewal community was just reading the uh, deeply rooted life by Rich Viotas mm. of, and he deeply formed life, deeply formed life. That's right. Yes. Um, he talks about how like at his first job, he thought to be a missionary meant you put like a Bible verse in your screensaver mm-hmm. and like made sure everybody <laughs> saw it or you wore like a Christian t-shirt. And I think that's where we can feel some weird evangelical pressure to do that. Yep. As one who worked for testaments in college, please <laughs> do not, do not get too crazy here. And I also think 
like this is going to sound a little philosophical. So like I'm going to have to work it out a little bit as I say it. But I also think we have this sort of modern concept that like it's on us to mm. do the work. Mm-hmm. I actually think a better, freer approach is twofold. One, pray and open your eyes and see what God is up to. Like God is already at work in your place of work. God is already at work in your neighborhood. God is already at work on your kids' baseball team. So pay attention. Like, God, what are you up to? And where can I join in, in the work you're doing? Like we don't have to mastermind this thing. God is the one who draws people to himself. God is the one doing something. And so I think you just begin to pray, Lord, open my eyes to where you're moving and help me like step in there. Mm. I want to be faithful to you. Show me, open the doors. And then I think the other thing, and I know this sounds basic, but I, you just really like, you got to love people and be relationally normal. Yeah. Don't, don't be weird. Don't be weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's our new book. Remember, don't be weird. Don't be a jerk. That's it. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, classic Wheaton College thing as well, by the way, because there is this pressure. There's this glorification of people who do go. Totally. Overseas, right? Yeah, or do, of and they, they're, On some level, there should be, but yeah. there is this thing. When Carrie and I started dating, uh, and I know you and Kevin had a very similar moment, I think, later in your relationship. Uh, before we let it get too serious, we both had to verbalize to each other, I want to live in America. <laughs> <laughs> really told this story. I'll try to make it quick, but Kevin and I were engaged and we broke off our engagement for like a day. I mean, it might have been three days because he wanted to go to Africa and I was like, uh-uh, I'm not going to that place. I'm going no, there. I'm not going there. But we we were like, we love each other. It'll be okay. It'll work out somehow. And we ended up in Africa, didn't but we? But only for a year. Yeah, only you, for a compromise. year. We didn't move there. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I'll never forget Carrie and I going like... <laughs> Do you want to go? No, do you? Okay, go. We can keep going with this. (laughs) Oh, everyday missionaries, every Christian as a missionary. It's what we see throughout scripture. Uh, Think about that. If you're driving in your car today, what does it look like for you to see your world where God has placed you as your mission field? We're coming up next. Someone who's been on the show before, a friend of yours, uh, Dr. Derwin Gray. He wrote a very provocative article over church leaders asking, is the civil rights movement, should it be considered? a revival. Hmm. We're going to discuss that next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. We talked about it during this week. We've certainly talked about it over the past month or two, this revival that broke out at Asbury yeah. College, Asbury University, and has kind of spread to other college campuses. Feels like it's died down a little bit. I like, feel like at talk least about it. in the news it has. I haven't heard as much. Right, right. But uh, here, before I get into the specific article we want to discuss, one thing I have found interesting is... Not just people going, is this a true revival? Is this not? Mm -hmm. But the people trying to say, well, this is what a revival should be. Or is this a revival? Or is this a revival? There's been... I have to call it a little annoying. It's been a little annoying. Can I, rem- this is like a little bit apropos of nothing, but it, remember when we had Brett McCorkle from the Jesus Revolution movie on and he was like, I mean, you know, I'm all for a revival, but what I want is a revolution. <laughs> I was like, yes, that guy was, that guy was awesome. I told you anyway, that. Anyway, that, that made me think me, of that. That made me think of Billy Madison. Oh yeah. I watched this with my son the other day, Billy Madison's on the stage and he goes, he's talking about the industrial revolution and the cat and it's the famous scene where then the principal's like, at no point, did, you've never seen Billy I, Madison? I do not remember. I was in high movie. school when that movie. came out. I do not remember Billy but, Madison. There's a point where Billy Madison goes, but for the cat, it was a revolution. <laughs> That's what I thought of when Brett McCorkle yeah, said that. He probably had that in mind. <laughs> so, uh, Derwin Gray. Derwin Gray's been on the show before, pastor of a large church, I believe in South Carolina, mm-hmm. North Carolina, one of the Carolinas, but also... Those Carolinas over there. For, uh, he writes, he's uh, speaking over at Exponential this week, I saw on, on Twitter, but also a former NFL uh, defensive yes, back for right. the Indianapolis Colts. 
but he writes a lot about the multi-ethnic church, yeah. the multi-ethnic movement. Right. Um, I think it's fair to say he's kind of at the front end of that in terms Definitely. of writing, speaking. This, and that. leading a multi-ethnic church. That's what church. I mean. Yep. yep. So he wrote this over at Church Leaders. Uh, should the civil rights movement be considered revival? Mm. So he's looking back at the civil rights movement and asking, is that a revival in the church? Since the church kind of led the way yeah. in many ways, uh, not perfectly, not across the board, but in many ways. So before we answer his question, how do you feel about people trying to link this to revival, this to revival? What do you think about even what he's trying to ask here? It feels like it goes back to, well, we actually did some parsing of the conversation, too. Like, is there a difference between a revival and reformation? Mm -hmm. And I haven't read this article, so I am very curious what he has to say. But I think I would have put a civil rights movement in the more of the... What's the word? I Reformation. Thank you. Yes. The Reformation category. Like they want reform in America, in the church. They're fighting for yep. it. So that's what I would have said. I'm curious what he has. Well, to I think say. what he's going to say is what revival is, because when we, we have been trying to differentiate mm-hmm. terms here, and I think what revival is, is a surprising work of the Holy Spirit to transform okay. and bring about change. And okay. so he does say, uh, Revival transforms people into the image of Christ who came to preach good news to the poor, was sent to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to free the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he says earlier, uh, he says earlier, what could be more revivalist than, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. Wow. Like I think what he's actually saying here is there was behind the what brought the civil rights movement, especially within churches in the 1800s, 1900s, mm-hmm. early 1900s, is um, a work of the Holy Spirit that said, we're doing something sinful. Wow. Like this is convicting us of our sin. And even though it may be a cultural norm, we still need to get out in front of this yeah, and say, this is not okay. Versus a reform would be, yeah, we should change this. Gotcha. And I actually think he makes a good point here. He does here. make that a does, good point. Mm-hmm. It, now, now, we never lived during that time, obviously, and there's still parts of it still being worked out. But I, I would think at its height, the civil rights movement really was a work of the Holy Spirit within Absolutely. followers of Jesus to say we're wrong here. Yeah, there, this is this is sin here. This is evil here. Something else needs to happen. This is interesting. He does quote evangelical scholar Richard F. Lovelace summarizing Jonathan Edwards' definition of revival. This is so interesting. So Edwards said revival is not a special season of extraordinary religious excitement, as in many forms of latter American revivalism. Rather, it is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit which restores the people of God to normal spiritual life after a period of corporate declension Mm. periods of spiritual decline occur in history because the gravity of indwelling sin keeps pulling believers first into formal religion and then into open apostasy. Wow. Periods of awakening alternate with these as God graciously breathes new life into his people. So according to that definition, you could see how, these uh the civil rights movement was a revival like calling the church back to god yeah i think he's winning me over here because they they do go on to talk about some of the early revivals like the great awakenings Mm -hmm. that were led by guys who still held slaves and this and that and i guess what i would think here is wow 
I, I don't think it's fair to hold upon the definition of a revival that all sin was dealt with in that moment, right? Like there was. It seems like that didn't happen. Right. There yeah. were still things. But, but I think Derwin Gray makes a great point, And it makes me think about what are the sins of now mm. that if there is revival going on that are being dealt with? Mm. What are the sins that God is going I got to bring these to light so that yeah. my church will move. If if we believe the civil rights movement was revival within the church, and that was to say to to shine a light on the sin of of segregation and mm-hmm. racism within the church. Mm-hmm. I wonder what he's doing now. Yeah. Like, what is that? What is he shining a light on now? I don't know. I don't have an answer well, to that question. I think it could still be racism within the church, which is alive and well. I think it could be nationalism within be. the church that we know is alive and well. It could be some other form of idolatry. But that is a really good question. Like that what happened at Asbury and other revivals was not just for that moment, but that God was like doing a deeper work convicting of some type of corporate yeah. sin. Yeah. I, I still am anxious to hear from some of the students at Asbury, too. like kind of coming forward, like what happened? What yeah. did God do? What did you guys hear? What did you, you know, experience? What changed? Strange question. Yeah. Should we as churches be praying for revival? What are I, we praying yes. for? What are we praying yes. for when we, so yes, I think the answer is obviously yes, but when we're praying for revival, what are we actually praying yeah, for? Yeah, that's a really good question. I feel like we're, we're ultimately praying for some movement of the Holy Spirit. What mm-hmm. we might not be realizing we're praying for is like conviction That's of sin. That's what I wanted to get at. Yeah. Careful what but you pray for. But we should pray for Absolutely. that, obviously. Like what God, you know, kind of like David in Psalm 139, like God search us right. and show us if there's anything in us that offends you and lead us in the way everlasting. Like that should be the prayer of every church, right? Agreed. But it could be painful. Yeah, it could God be. shine a light Ugh. on the sin in your in Ugh. your church? Uh, okay, if he goes, okay, <laughs> I'm right. about to you do put, that. You said it. But it will be interesting. I think you're right to hear the stories. And I'm less. I am interested, but I'm less interested in reading the articles and books written by the you know the professors, quite frankly, or other people mm-hmm. from these places. I want to read this books and the stories of the, the students. students. I do too. I just want to hear. I think stories. there'll be like an innocence and an optimism. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they don't get everything right. I think so, too. But where they go, man, God did something. Yeah. And man, I can't wait yeah. to see what I, I want to read that. Kinda I, like I want to be on that. Pure. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, coming up next, uh, we've been partnering with an organization called SOS International, which is looking to um, bring women, bring children out of trafficking yeah, situations. Right. So just an unbelievable organization. And you're going to get to hear some more from SOS International next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. So glad that you're with us today. A few weeks ago, Brian, I got to spend some time with Christy, Anthony, and Hannah Wehunt from SOS International. They're an organization that we're partnering with all month. And I love this organization because they are on the ground in uh, Asia, in Latin America, in different countries, rescuing women and children from horrific situations of trafficking. We have an opportunity to hear from them, to hear what God is up to through them, and to partner with them. In fact, we'd love to invite you to go to our website, 1160hope.com, click on the SOS International banner, and give a gift to help rescue women and children today. But let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Christy and Hannah from SOS International. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, and I am so 
excited, beyond thrilled, so honored because I am joined today by two women who have become friends of mine, Christy and Hannah from SOS International. And I don't know, listeners, if you remember, their their return guests, Brian and I decided to have them back on The Common Good because we are so passionate about the ministry that they run, the work that they do, helping care for uh, women and children from around the world in situations of human trafficking. And so, Christy and Hannah, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. For our listeners who may not be familiar with SOS International, Christy Anthony, I'm going to start with you. Just tell us who this organization is. What do you do? Absolutely. So we are SOS International, and we work to build sustainable solutions for the problems that at-risk children face. We just think that some of these things should be addressed. And so we are working on four main areas. We do feeding, water, community development, and then what we're here to talk about today, which is trafficking, uh, rescue, and rehabilitation. And we are just so passionate about helping specifically children who are vulnerable to these things find holistic care inside of communities and to see them grow and thrive into adulthood. So we are so excited to be with you talking about trafficking, rescue, and rehabilitation. And we're just so thankful for you and the Common Good team. Thanks for having us back this year. It is such a privilege. And I'll just go ahead and put this out here for our listeners. One month of complete care for a child or a woman who has been or being rescued from human trafficking trafficking is what we're asking from you today. That's $150. And that covers the cost really of actually, Hannah, I'll ask you if you don't mind, Hannah, we hunt, tell us what our listeners $150 gift goes to for a month. Yeah, that covers the complete care of a trafficked girl. So that looks like a safe place to sleep, bedding. That looks like practical things we need, like clothing, sanitary projects, medical care. You know, these women are in very intense situations. They almost always have very specific medical needs that need addressed. So it looks like medical care. It looks like satriatic care. That looks like vocational training, education. Just kind of covers the holistic plan to get them into a place where they can then be reintegrated into society. Chris, you can give your life-changing gift now by clicking the SOS banner at 1160hope.com. Or if you're driving, grab your cell phone and dial pound or hashtag 250. That's pound 250 and say Chicago cares. We'll connect you to someone who will receive your gift. You can also call that same number pound 250 and opt in to get a text message sent to your phone so you can give when you're not driving. See, I would love to hear from you because I think a lot of people, at least a lot of our listeners would say human trafficking is bad and I want to do something about it. But then I think we sort of maybe don't even understand what we're talking about. So can you give us an idea when you're saying you're helping rehabilitate rescue children? um, What exactly what are the situations like? Like, what does it mean that these kids around the world are being trafficked? Big question, Aubrey, for sure. Um, You know, for a lot of the kids that we work with, it starts out as a whole bunch of factors that go against them that put them in a situation that make them vulnerable. And then there are actually predators out there that prey upon these children. And so, you know, for some kids, it looks like 
a neighbor that abuses and then exploits them. For others, it's happened inside of the family. Um, For some, you know, Mm. unfortunately, there are a whole bunch of kids whose parents are not able to take care of them. And so it looks like points of abuse that then get exploited. And so each of these kids have a different story, but they all have a common theme. And that common theme is is they have a lack of basic needs. They have a lack of somebody that was Mm. able to care for and provide for them. And then over a series of events that just gets exploited until the place that that child finds themselves being trafficked over and over again. And so it's, it's a little bit complex in how it happens because I feel like it's slow. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, it's Mm. a deep vulnerability within a child. And in a lot of these situations, um, you know, you can prevent it which is really where we like to operate is inside of the prevention side of things, but it requires you being able to step in and, and offer things like food, uh, talking about food and human trafficking is a connection that a lot of people don't always make, but we see that as a really effective tool in preventing trafficking is being able to help provide food for these kids. Cause a lot of the stories that we hear is it was actually a lack of food that led to Hmm. those children being exploited. Wow. It is. I mean, it's, it's awful, but it's helpful, Christy, I think for us to understand the situation and how things kind of get to the point where kids are in a situation where, yeah, they just need food. They just need to eat. They just need care. And so sometimes this evil happens as a result of need. But I think what's so beautiful about SOS and our partnership with you is listeners, we're inviting you to, to really be the, the answer, at least in this way to um, the situations that some of these kids are in. And I know a lot of you woke up this morning like feeling sort of purposeless and feeling maybe the the winter or spring doldrums and wanting to do something different with your life, wanting to make a difference, wanting to leave a legacy. And there's probably one of you out there that has been praying about like, what can I do, God? Is there something that you want me to do to make a difference in the world? This really is the opportunity. You can actually go to our website, 1160hope.com, click on the SOS International banner, or we have something new that you can do. If you're driving and it's a little too dangerous to pull out your phone and go online, you can pull out your phone, but do something really quick. Do this, dial hashtag 250. That's actually a shortcut phone number, hashtag or pound sign 250. You're going to be asked to say um, a prompt. You say the words Chicago Cares. What that's going to do is get you a link on your phone so that later you can click on it and you can give a gift to SOS International today. Here's what's incredible. Your gift of $150 will provide a rehabilitation, care, medical needs, food, water, for children being rescued from human trafficking today. And we're really asking and praying for five of you to give something now. Five of you to go on our website, 1160hope.com, click on that SOS International banner. And what's incredible is we actually have a generous match. So the first six gifts of support will not only go to one woman, but will be multiplied for two women. All right, um, Hannah. How did you even get started? Like, how did your work with SOS International begin? Yeah. Um, so I am a photojournalist by trade. I studied that uh, at good old UNT, which is in Texas. So probably none of you will know that. And just really had a passion to use 
you know, story and communicating really the stories of the least of these. You know, uh, trafficked women and girls, they're part of the most unseen group of society. Mm. Um, And there's so much misinformation spread about what trafficking looks like. And I had encountered it a couple of times growing up and just kind of realized that I wanted to use my skills and my passions to promote their stories and bring freedom and rescue to those areas and help uncover the unseen. I love that that's your heart because I also think that's the heart of God and I know that's the heart of our listeners. Would you make freedom possible for women and children trapped in human trafficking? $150 provides a month of safe shelter and restoration ministry for a woman or child coming out of trafficking. And right now, every gift is doubled to provide rescue and restoration for two victims of trafficking. What a massive and eternal difference you can make. Please give right now. Call 866-343-4717. That's 866-343-4717. And make freedom possible today. Every gift of $150 given during this program will be matched to have twice the impact. All right, let me ask you. Okay. Uh, I think this might be, for you and I did a top five list of uh, fundamental questions peep everybody asks. Mm. So the Gospel Coalition is going to frame this around the Zacchaeus story, but they start with the question, does God care about me? Oh. Do you think that is a, fu- is that one oh. of the fundamental questions we all deal with? Wow. Wow. Um, yes. I think I, I, or some version of that. Yes, it's for all, sure. probably all those. Is God for me? Mm-hmm. Does is God, God love good? me? Yes. Does God love me? Does God accept me? All those things under that. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. The art, the author here says almost everyone asks this question almost, uh, you know, says, I know I have, I remember feeling like God only cares about the big and the important, the worthy and the good. Mm. I knew that wasn't the case, or I knew I was supposed to know that wasn't Mm. the case, but I felt unworthy, not good enough. And sometimes other people have told me as such. Wow. The Bible tells a different story. He says one told by your fears than the one told by your fears and feelings. Here's the true story. God does care about Mm. you. Uh, And he's going to get into Zacchaeus. But before we do that, I love that he names the fact that we all know the answer of what we're supposed to believe. But deep down, many of us don't believe the answer to this particular question is yes. He goes, we know in our head, we've all heard the sermons. So you might be in your car right now going, of course he cares about us. And the real question is, do you actually believe he cares about you? Yeah, it's so funny. Like, I mean, I feel like even I've been a Christian, you know, three decades and I'm still like, Jesus, do you love me? Really? Mm -hmm. Do you promise? You know what I mean? Show show me that you do. Like, and I kind of I remember one time hearing Louis Giglio say something about how mature Christians aren't asking those questions. Like they just know God loves them and they walk in that. But I, I'm struggling with maturity then. (laughs) Yeah. Like I always kind of dis, I always disagreed with that. I was like, I don't know. I don't, I know that there are people who 
uh, have maybe more faith than others, but I don't know that there's anybody who doesn't at some point in their life ask that question, like God, yeah. some version of it, right? God, are you for me? God, do you love me? I do think it's a foundational question we all ask. And because I think we've all got some Pharisee in us. We've yeah. all got this where we go, mm. I have to prove myself to yes. God. I have to prove myself to God. I have to prove, uh-oh, yes. didn't prove myself well enough today. Oh, right. today I preached a good sermon. God must be happy with me. Oh, no, I forgot to read my yeah. Bible this morning. All right, yeah. didn't forget to. I chose not to. Right. He must be mad at me. And uh, it's an interesting take that this author goes to Zacchaeus, because we've all preached Zacchaeus. Oh. The wee little man. Wee little man was he. Yes. And so uh, he says this, Zacchaeus is mainly remembered for being short and a hated tax collector who climbed the sycamore tree. It's easy to think of him as a silly little man, but he wasn't. While he was little, he was rich and powerful. If he wanted something to happen in Jericho, it would happen. He was an ends justify the means sort of guy, mm. and people hated him. This rich, powerful man climbed a tree uh, in front of those people who hated him, in front of the people he'd hurt. I don't imagine he climbed the tree very gracefully or skillfully. He probably looked ridiculous. Why did Zacchaeus make a fool of himself? He says this. He was asking the question we all ask. Does God care about me? Mm. He says Zacchaeus felt unworthy, not good enough. And frankly, he was unworthy. He took that uh, he took what didn't belong to him and hurt others for his own benefit. But now he just wanted to see Jesus. Wow. Like, I love the story about Zacchaeus in many different ways. One, it's a great lesson in, in generosity. What fuels generosity? Zacchaeus is accepted by mm. Jesus and then gives his money away, not vice versa. Interesting. Um But this idea that he's a powerful tax collector and is doing this because he's like, could Jesus even love me? Yeah, I've I've always like the thought of this powerful tax collector, though he was like this wee little man, as people say, like the the powerful tax collector um, doing a little bit of a like a shameful thing, Mm. climbing up this tree, like making a spectacle of himself. It reminds me a little bit of Jesus's parable of the prodigal son with the father. Everyone talks about the father kind of being shameful, pulling up his skirts or whatever and like mm-hmm, running mm-hmm. towards his son. I feel like it's a little of a real life version of that. Like he's willing to make himself be ashamed uh, climbing up this tree just to get a glimpse, just to get a glimpse of Jesus. And it makes it more powerful knowing that he was so powerful. Yeah, that's right. That he had status, that he had money, that he had power. Yeah. Um, that he was willing to go that far to find out if Jesus loved him. And it's in this story that Jesus says, I have come to seek and save the lost. Mm. He doesn't say, hey, Zacchaeus, don't worry about it. You're great. Yeah. You're doing awesome. He's like, let me use you as the example. Mm. And here's where we get ourselves in trouble, Aubrey. And here's why I think we have trouble answering this question. Those of us who've been in church for a long time, we read Jesus came to seek and save the lost and we don't think it applies to us. I know. Isn't that so true? And that's where we've lost the gospel, mm. right? There's, I love the phrase, like we have to re-gospel ourselves, yep. like we've turned it into a verb, right? Yep. But it's true. You know, you and I are professional Christians. In fact, we're professional Christians two times over. Right. Uh, we, you got a grad degree. I have a grad degree, too. It's yeah. a little less than yours. Uh, you know, we both went <laughs> to Wheaton. Not. All of this stuff. And you could start hanging, even though we know that we preach the gospel all the time. You could start believing, but that doesn't apply to oh, me. Totally. I'm not the lost. I'm the one yeah. who goes out and proclaims this good news right. to the lost. Right. And then you start going. Does he care about me? Right. And that's when you get into a weird place of like learning and striving and achieving. And then you realize, oh, wait, maybe I am lost. But it's like lost in a different way. You're like you mentioned the Pharisees before. 
it's easy for, I think, us who are the quote-unquote professional Christians to get lost like a Pharisee is lost. Because hmm. you think you got it all together and think you're, and then soon you realize like, oh, wait, actually, am I, do I really believe I'm someone who's found? That's right. That's right. It's the uh, it's the older son and the prodigal son story, mm-hmm. right? Which who is the story was probably actually mostly about him, right? <laughs> That's right. We all only know it as the young because we're like, oh, we, I want to be the young guy who goes off and comes back and his <laughs> and dad hugs him. Back. And yeah. that is all true. Mm-hmm. But most of us who've grown up in the church are actually that older son who never left, but is mad that, that God shows grace to totally. these others. And totally. that's that's what they felt about Zacchaeus. And you know what I would have felt if Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house? I'd have been like, that's not fair. Yeah. Go to yeah. my house. Go yeah. to the, the yeah. religious leader's house. Right. Why his house? Why yeah. does he get to have you at his house? Yeah. So, so true. Those mm-hmm. of us, we ask, ask ourselves that question all the time. Does God care? The answer to that is a resounding yes. And we know it. But the question is, do you believe it? Mm. Do you believe? Do you live from that That's place? Right. Yeah. That's right. Do we actually believe that? Glad to have you with us today on a Friday afternoon. Coming up next. We're going to talk outreach, practical versus spiritual. We're going to ask some questions about outreach next on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. We will be back again on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, hope for your life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.